We are jamming tonight in the Hyundai Texans radio studio here at NRG Stadium. Mark Vandermeer with you, and we're going to have some fun tonight. John Harris is going to be with us in just a second here. D.P. Sidhu as well. And Johnny's going to talk about a number of things, including but not limited to defense, a familiar Texans foe, sort of an unofficial divisional opponent, which is the Kansas City Chiefs. No, they're not in the same division, but... It feels like it from time to time. I mean, you played them twice in 2015. You played them in 2016. You played them in 2017 on a Sunday nighter. You're going to play them next year on the road. It's going to be awesome, I hope. We'll get into some of their defensive issues as Bob Sutton left, and now he's with the Atlanta Falcons as a senior assistant. We're going to do a deep dive there on defense. And also, another thing about these shows like the Amazon.com All or Nothing series, of course, Hard Knock started this stuff off, how one team got an edge because of stuff related to these shows, and then some extra stuff as well. I think you know what I'm talking about. Brian Hoyer gets in the mix on that one. Now, DP is going to join us to talk about the PFF Top 101, top 101 players in the NFL, and the Texans have six of them. So we'll go over those and get into some other things related to that. Right now, let's get into it with John Harris. Johnny, how are you doing tonight? Doing pretty well. Weekend, uh, the throat was backed up a little bit. You know, we're back on the radio this past week for the first time. So You sound good today, though. Yeah, yeah, I I kind of got over it. I didn't Mm -hmm. feel badly. Just the throat was a little bit just... Were you yeah, screaming at your television watching the American Alliance of Football or no, whatever it's called? No, I was screaming at my computer that oh, oh, I've got seven players left. Oh, oh and I've the Harris 100. Players. The Harris 100 is it's in the stages of going out of my hands into capable hands of Adolf Leibowitz. So hopefully mm. it will be coming soon. You can see kind of where the Harris 100 is. And I figured once it comes out, yeah, why not do a podcast and talk about it too? So Absolutely. Maybe we'll do that as well. I think weekly. I think yeah, daily, I maybe. No, people want to hear this stuff, and so we will not release that for about a week and a half because we make it all pretty. Like, you write it all, yeah, but then, I, I do but then Anov and her peeps make it all pretty for the for the web, for the interweb, yep. and it's going to look gorgeous, and it's going to be great, and I'm dying to see it, actually, because I've got to do my Vandermock, my first one this week. So that'll come out, and you know that those are incredibly accurate. And by incredibly accurate, I mean not entirely. But I usually nail one player yeah, a year. Do that the Texans are going to pick. So that's not too bad. I mean, that's better than most, really. Because I'm not trying to get, you know, the first rounder, ah, anybody can do that. I go for, like, who might the fourth rounder be? That's what I go for. By the way, I did not watch one second of that spring football league. I Hmm. did follow it on Twitter a little bit. Well, I was busy. Saturday night I was at the Rockets game, so I was there in person. So I know they were head-to-head with the NBA. They actually beat the NBA by a smidge in the rating nationally. And... On Sunday, I was at the Cougs game, so that was cool, uh, at the Fertitta Center. I got shout-out to them, by the way. Chris Pesman, the AD there. Obviously, the building's gorgeous. The team, coached by Kelvin Sampson, great. What, have they lost once or something? 23-1 and one or 22-1, I mean, something like that? incredible. 32 they, in a row at home. Yeah. That's amazing. That is amazing. And that's not all at the Fertitta Center. So give them a ton of credit. Great team, great guys. I mean, it just it's fun to be there. That's a terrific building. They've done a tremendous job with that atmosphere they've created there. Obviously, the winning helps, but it all goes hand in hand. The student section was just so loud. It was so loud in there. All the chanting and cheering. They had one chant for a ref. One kid said very loudly, it was at a down moment, so you could really hear his voice. And he said, how does it feel being in a loveless marriage? 
And I was thinking, boy, these refs take a lot of abuse. That's like intellectual, <laughs> psychological abuse right there. I mean, I, I don't know if the guy knows anything, but that was that was incredible. Uh, I, I think the one thing to learn, though, about the Spring League is people love football. Mm-hmm. Even though the Super Bowl was last week, they still want to yep. watch it. You and I have been talking for years about how a Spring League would be a yep. good thing for all of football. I think there's still a thirst for it, and it creates an opportunity for players to hone their game a little bit. No doubt, and the names that you see names that you recognize. I mean, Charles James, who played here for for a couple of years, was playing for the the Memphis Express. You recognize coaches' names. They're they're players you can recognize, and then they're going to be guys that you don't know uh, that you go, whoa, what it, what's up with that guy? Mm-hmm. Uh, never heard of him or where did he come from? Which and, is fine because yeah, you know yeah, very often coming, you're rooting for a uniform yeah, anyway or just yeah. the game itself. Absolutely, and it, it's funny because I flipped it over on Saturday night. And the very first play that I flipped it over, Mike Berkovich is playing quarterback. Uh, I can't remember who was – I think it was the – whoever San Antonio was playing, I can't remember who that was. But Berkovich is back to throw, and he's locked in on a receiver. And you can tell because his head is not coming off that wide receiver. And all of a sudden, Sean Washington from Texas A&M comes around the corner and just obliterates Oh, he him. blew him up. I saw that play. It was that the very Twitter. first play I saw, and I went, all right. Okay, I guess Let's we're doing see. this, huh? And they didn't throw a flag or anything. <laughs> didn't throw a flag. Did he just... launch a little bit? Was there? A little... I don't. I don't know. Legs Berkov... definitely left the ground. I don't yeah. know if it's when he was falling or whatever. I mean, Berkovici just got drilled, yeah. and that was the first play I ended up watching. So I watched a little bit of it, and I, I think the the one thing these spring leagues, I think, have come at it in a pretty smart way. I think they understand. Look, we're not the NFL, mm-hmm. but. We still have got guys that it's going to take a little while to develop. We're, we just put these players together, and we're not going to play the prettiest of football right away. But you know, we got guys that are going to go out there and play strong and play physical, and the game is quicker. They've done some, some things to speed it up. Uh, the TV product is, I think, pretty good because they give you an insight to the sounds of the game. They've got quarterbacks mic'd up throughout the game. They've got referees mic'd up. So you're getting a little bit more of the sounds of the game, which I think are, are – are fabulous for fans yep. at home. I mean, I, I I love that sitting at home going, wow, what, what's Christian Hackenberg thinking here? And then, of course, we heard what Christian Hackenberg had to say. But, I it, look, it's going to be a good product. I think where other leagues have failed in some sense is in the USFL, I think, you know, whatever happened with that league. The USFL said we are going to be a direct competitor of the NFL. A- after a while, they did. After at a while, first, they, did. they had a great idea, and then right. Trump and, and then, yeah, everybody then else it, took it, it over. Yeah, it went a, a totally different direction. But they went after players that could have played in the NFL. They drafted Mike Rozier. They drafted and signed Steve Young, Reggie White. You know, they, they went after. They had the capital at the time to go after these players, to bring them to the USFL, to give the USFL some credibility. Yep. And then when you look at the USFL now, you look at all those players that they had. I don't know that you're ever going to be able to replicate that, but I think what you can do is provide a league where players don't make a practice squad or they're not able to stay in a camp or they're not going to stay a part of the 90-man roster, and they want a final chance. Trent Richardson was running for the Birmingham Iron the other day. Yeah. And he's a well-known name. I think you get, you get names of guys who can't play in the NFL for whatever reason or haven't been able to make it, right. but they're st- still a brand-name recognition. How many college players are like that? Yeah, you know, I know Braxton Miller was with the Ravens last year, but he's the kind of guy I might look at. Johnny Manziel, he's in Canada, yeah. but that's the kind of guy I would look at who's got brand-name recognition who can help them out. Now, how does it help the NFL? I think it does because of what you just said about the USFL. So many of those players made it to the NFL eventually when 
when the league folded and had good careers. Now, I think XFL, this American Alliance, of course, it's very tough to make it. It's so expensive to run a football organization. Yep. The one thing they have going for them that the USFL did is TV contracts that mean something on big networks. Mm-hmm. That's what... What, was it the UFL or the UEF? What what was that thing with the fluorescent colored uniforms with four teams and Chris Palmer coached it and one was in I Hartford? I think it was the UFL. The UFL. The Nighthawks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they look kind of cool, but they did their TV contract, I forget what it was. It was like HD TV. It was not what right. these guys have. And yeah. if you have CBS on your side, that's when you can compete with the NBA and open some eyes and say, ooh, maybe we can make it. So it'll be fun to follow what happens to them. It's not National Football League quality at all, but it's something. It's football in the spring, and I think yeah. a lot of people will watch football. Yeah, no doubt. Theory. And, and I mean, they're what, 30 – 32 teams and 90-man rosters, and so there are guys in buildings in the NFL that are, are glad to be in the NFL, but there are guys just look. I mean, look, if you get if you get one, two, three guys to come out of this spring league that end up being players for you in the NFL at some point, hey, it, then, it, then it's been worth it. I mean, The talk, next 500 Brian, players. Brian are, Peters, didn't. I mean, he was in the UFL at some point. So, he was in every league yeah, that ever existed. Yeah, every single league. I, I think the, the interesting aspect, and I saw this on Twitter, I think the interesting aspect is going to be what happens to the Canadian Football League because hmm. the the uh, American Alliance of Football is is paying apparently probably twenty five to thirty thousand more than the CFL will Ooh. pay for its American players. So that gets to be interesting because well, wait a second, do I want to go to Canada and play up there, or do I want to stay here and play in this new fledgling league, so to speak, and make a little bit more money in the process. And get so, a better rating on American television. That's the one I think that ends up getting kind of interesting is what happens in the mm. Canadian Football League at that point um, because you're playing such a different game. And this you're is a short season too, right? It's 10 weeks plus yep. the playoffs. and, and You still I, have an opportunity to get into a camp, maybe OTAs, yeah. time frame. You have an opportunity to work another chance. job maybe. Yeah. The, the CFL is no joke. That's a long season. And I think they go to camp in May or something, and they don't finish the championships in late November or something. That's a pretty long season. That's legit. Uh, you know, you and I like watching that in June yeah, and stuff in July or whatever, whenever it starts. It's going to be interesting with these guys. Yeah, you're right. The CFL teams only are allowed to take how many American players? Two per team or something? Yeah, it's, it's some low number. Yeah, it's a very it low number. Very low number. So I – I'm just I'm curious to see how that how it affects the the CFL and we you know you mentioned it we love the CFL and, it, and it's fantastic summer football kind of gets us going for for the the NFL season but at some point you're just going to run out of bodies yeah that will be able to play the game I don't, I don't the do you, leagues, do you really think so I think there are plenty of guys know, who I mean, want to play I think well. Here's, I mean, I here's your that, competition, but... though. When you get, all right, so you heck, get... if there was spring league, I would have tried to play. I mean, I couldn't. I wasn't very good, but I would have tried to play. Heck, you know, I think maybe it... before you embark on whatever your career choice is going to be, and I think that's that's the gap they're looking for right there. All right, I'm not going to make it to the NFL in all likelihood, or maybe I do want to, and this is my last shot. Maybe I can play in this league for a while or whatever. Right. So you want to try out for an AAFL team or AAF, whatever it's called. AAF. AAF. American Alliance of Football. Okay. AAF. I don't like double vowels, Johnny. I, I know they're hard. I mean, like NCAA the, like the Cougs are in the AAC, which then gets you confused with the ACC. And then you got when the Why ACC plays the AAC, then it's... Uh, Want to go NAC, the NAC. Oh, that's a good one. See? That's I helped them one. out already. The National Athletic. Yeah, 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 the National Athletic Conference. Call it the NAC. 
And, interesting. you know, you have the Mac and the Knack. The Mac, the Knack, the Ack. And there's also an M-A-A-C. Right. There's the Mac. Yeah, there's, there's that like, Mac. There's like, the short Mac, then there's a the long it's Mac. That's how my, my name sounds on the streets of Boston. Mac. See? <laughs> there's that, there's the Mac, and then we could have the Knack. Yeah, because in the uh, Mac, you have Iona and Siena. You have all those, yeah. You have some good teams in that, in that mm-hmm. conference. Well, it's that time of year, right? College hoops we were just talking about. All right, enough on the spring stuff. Let's talk about this. This is a, a nuanced thing, and I think we might take this into the next segment as well. But I noticed that Bob Sutton, who was the very good defensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs until the defense started to play poorly, Bob Sutton is now a senior assistant with the Atlanta Falcons. So why did Bob Sutton go? Everyone knows that this year the Chiefs exploded on offense, number one in yards, number one in points, but defense they slid off a cliff. It's funny how sometimes when you have an outstanding offensive team, it just goes that way. The defense can't match up. Not that way with the greatest show on turf in 99. They had a very good defense and a very good offense, you know, outstanding offense. But even, you know, you look at how the Saints were in 09 when they won the Super Bowl. That defense wasn't very good yardage-wise, but they got a ton of turnovers. Turnovers, yeah. But look, when Sutton came in in 2013, the Chiefs go right to work on defense. I mean, they went from 32nd in points allowed – and they go to sixth, and then they go 16, 9, 13. Oh, hang on. I'm reading the wrong number here. They go from – they go to fourth, ninth, sixth, fourth. I mean, they were they were single digits in points per game allowed defensively. I mean, just yep. outstanding. Uh, and then last year, 24th in defense points allowed, 31st in yards allowed. They just fell off. And you were talking about it off the air, some of the talent they lost, some of the issues that they had, and obviously uh, things have swung over to the offensive side. Well, I think there are a couple things that that happened with that is, you know, Kansas City had to fix the offensive side of the ball because I remember when they came in here in 2015, it was Alex Smith and who was Alex throwing the ball to. You know, at that point, he, he he had Kelsey, and Kelsey gave us, Kelsey was kind of the first. But then Kansas City put a lot of onus on the offensive side. Yes, they drafted Marcus Peters in 2015, but they did a lot on the offensive side of the ball. They drafted Kelsey in 13. They drafted Tyreek Hill in 16. Um, they went out and got Eric Fisher the first pick in the draft in 2013. You know, they put a lot of resources, and obviously they gave up part of the draft in 2018 to go get Patrick Mahomes. So they put they moved a lot of eggs into the offensive basket, and what ended up happening was Tom Bali got old. Derek Johnson got old. Those were two key players. I remember that defense in 2013 won case face in his first start. Tom Bali on one side, mm-hmm. Justin Houston was what Justin What about the one Houston. in 2015 here, the playoff A- game absolutely. defense? Absolutely. I mean, Justin Houston – um, I don't think he even played that much in that game. But they were third in points per allowed. They were seventh in yards allowed that year. All right, we're going to continue this. And how do the Texans relate in these categories? Defensive points per game rankings per year. What has it been under Romeo Cornell compared to years past? Let's talk about that and then some. Texans, all access. We do it five nights a week, 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock every weekday. Texans All Access, Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. We're having a conversation, for some reason, about the Chiefs with Bob Sutton going to the Falcons. He was let go by the Kansas City Chiefs after their defense finished 31st in yards allowed in the first year, the first real year of the Mahomes era where they're number one in points and yards offensively, and the Texans will be at Kansas City this coming season. Of course, we don't know Ooh. when yet, but we know they will be there, and that's going to be a huge game. Primetime game for sure? It's I think so. Be. 
I think so. Watson and Mahomes. Take your pick, Sunday or Monday. Ooh, it's gonna be loud. It's gonna be. What about Thursday? I don't want to go up there on a Thursday. I think I need some time, or maybe that's good. You could ambush them, right? Maybe. I don't know. Gosh, I don't know. So we were um, talking about how their defense sort of fell off. But you know what? Uh, their offense, the Chiefs' offense, even before the Mahomes era, it's not as bad as people think. No, no. They never bad. were in the bottom half of the league in points. They were in yards, but not in points. They ran the ball well. They weren't throwing it as well as they wanted to. Remember that that year they couldn't complete a touchdown pass to a yes. wide receiver? Yeah. But but here are the finishes with Andy Reid uh, in terms of offensive Points per game scored, 6, 16, 9, 13, and 6. Those are all Alex Smith years, mm-hmm. and now they're first. I mean, Andy Reid can coach some offense here. Uh, obviously, they just wanted to get more explosive, and they have an outstanding, a dynamite quarterback in Pat Mahomes, so the, the rest is going to be history. But my point is this, that it's funny to see what happened to their defense with so much emphasis on the offense, like you so skillfully pointed out. What about the Houston Texans? Defensively. The Romeo Crennel era, he comes here in 2014 with Bill O'Brien. They go 7th, 7th. These are rankings in points per game allowed. Then 11th in 2016, but that was a good year for the Texans as they went to the divisional round. Last year, everything falls off a cliff. Crennel's not coaching the defense. Everybody gets hurt. They're 32nd in points. Give it up. This past year, they were 4th. That is a tie for a franchise best with the 2011 defense, which everybody agrees is maybe the best defense we've ever seen here. So fourth in points allowed, fourth in 2011, and they're 12th in yards, by the way. They were second in 2011. But my point is this, that they were outstanding in terms of this very important statistical category, but they know they need to get better in terms of third and 10 conversions, and we think about the Philadelphia game. You know, they did make some stops in that game, but clearly not as many as they needed to make, and they have some other things they got to work on. I think the one thing that was sort of frustrating to me the last the last part of the year, you know, the, the game, the first Colts game here, or I should say the second regular season game, the one here, one of Texas lost 24-21. The Colts, Colts really weren't great on, on third down. But they hit a couple of big plays, and they kind of got that up-tempo rolling. And then they had like three or four drives, and it was like bang, 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 done. That was it. They kind of had their little spurt, and done. 24 points, and that was it. And the Texans were pretty good on third down. But it started that next Saturday against Darnold. Darnold was outstanding on third down against them, scrambling out of the pocket, making plays. He, I, I don't remember what the percentage was. It was like 55 56% on third down. Then the next week against Foles – Foles was outstanding. He was like 9 of 16 on third downs. But they were 4-4 on fourth down, too. So they converted 13 third or fourth down situations for first downs. And it's like, that's that's mind-blowing against this defense. And a lot of them in both of those games ended up being longer situations. They weren't yeah. like third and three, third and two. Right. You they have were like where you third want and them. ten and beyond. Yeah, you got them right where you want them, and you can't close the deal. And then the, the, the playoff game against the Colts, it was kind of the same thing. First play, the first series of the game, it's third and 12. 12. Then they and, get 13. And by the way, by the way, just as a, a nitpicking thing, mm-hmm. but had that play been reviewed, I think oh, T.Y. No. Hilton would have been short by a yard. Because the spot was bad? It was because exa- it was exactly what I thought happened. T.Y. initially caught the ball, but then lost control of it as J. Joe's pushing him back. He doesn't get and gather control again, 
until he's short of the first oh, down. Oh, so they gave him the spot at the original point of As contact. As if he had caught at the original point of contact. But, uh, but it's a hard thing to spot on the fly and everything. But yeah. that was third and ten. Then a little while later it was – you know, the third and seven, they'd stop, but J.J. was offside, so they didn't get third and two, scramble and complete that. There were, I think, three third-down conversions on that drive, and you think, look, were the Texans going to win that day? Probably not. They just The Colts were a better team that day, but it didn't help when you start off the game and they're converting three third-downs of, of varied length mm-hmm. on you. The third and 12 is the killer. I mean, you've done everything on the first and second down. you got the crowd jacked up, and then – you hit the guy wearing a clown mask for a first down by inches. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, gosh. Now they're getting him involved. I forgot about the clown mask. You just brought up clown mask. Oh, uh, now that, they're getting him involved. All right, so that just... is how this playoff game is going to be remembered. You know, we have Hasselbeck in a diaper. We have Rosencopter. This is going to be clown mask. Hilton in a clown mask. It's going to be Hilton in a clown mask. And I, I, I tell you what, I, I, still, I, I still love – the fact that there was some of that in this game. Even though Texas didn't win, I love that there Moving was Moving forward, the rivalry, yes. the bitterness. Yes, absolutely. I still think they find absolutely. a way to at least split with them next year. Well, I, I know everyone thinks, oh, the Colts are so – yeah, I know. They're good. Look what happened to them in Kansas City. But they're good. They had a great day. The Texans had a bad day. We'll see what happens. Let's just put on the pads and go again in 2019. But if, I cannot talk any trash right now, but I just want to see it. No, I, I do too, and I think, I think these teams are, are – Right now, I think people would look at the two teams and say, "Well, look, the Colts, the Colts are are much better on the offensive line right now, but the Texans, you know, defensive line is probably a step ahead." Although the Colts, the Colts defensive line, and I, I talked to Chris Bowder about this. I said, I, "I hate the fact that you went out and you went to Walmart and you went to the bargain bargain DVD bin." Mm-hmm. And you were able to find guys like Danico Autry. As soon as I said Danico Autry, he said, hey, he goes, that guy's a player now. And I was like, I know. Well, I found it out. He went to the bargain DVD bin and picked up The Departed yeah. and Goodfellas. Absol- and he got some bargains yes. in there. And-, and then he drafts Darius Leonard, which kind of brings it all together. But I'll be honest, if the if – if Deshaun's got time to throw going forward against them with that secondary the yep. way it is, if he has time to throw going forward against them, he's going to be able to have a day like he did at Indianapolis. All right, a few minutes left. Tell me why we're liable to see less of these all-access shows. We're going to see these all-access shows, but less of the nuts and bolts and inner workings of what's in the huddle and under the hood, so to speak. Why? Well... I read an article by uh, Albert Breer, and he wanted to get with the McCordys, Devin and Jason, to talk about the Super Bowl and kind of break it down and look at some film and talk about some of the things. And the McCordys kept giving Brian Hoyer some credit, that they would go to Brian Hoyer and they would ask questions. And Hoyer had experience with that offense because Hoyer had run the Kyle Shanahan version of that offense in Cleveland in 2014. And Sean McVay had been the offensive court, or I'm sorry, the tight ends coach for Kyle Shanahan, for Mike Shanahan in Washington. So Hoyer oh went on Hoyer went on kind of a mission to see if this offense was the same. And so he watched Peyton Manning's detail show, which you and I have watched. In fact, we watched very the good. one that he did on Deshaun Watson. It's very good, and it's great. And so he watched that on the Rams' offense, and he started putting the pieces together and said, "This is the exact same offense." Then he went and he watched. The Amazon All or Nothing show. And at the very end of that season, it was the 2016 season, which was Jeff Fisher's last. Well, right at the very end, they had OTAs 
and Sean McVay was mic'd up. Uh, and Hoyer listened, and he went, it's the exact same. So he was able to pick some things out from that and give it to the McCordys and to the defense and say, look, if you get this, if you do this, this is how they're going to respond. This is how they're going to do it. So he just took his experience combined with what he was seeing on those particular shows and put it together and said, here, defense, here's what you're going to do. And then when he was the look team quarterback, he kind of played it as if he were still in that offense. It was pretty fascinating. It's a very good read by Albert Breer, and it kind of tells a story, and McCourty's kind of tell the story from what they gleaned. And I, I've, I said this in the details show, Mark. I watched the details show with Peyton Manning talking about Matt Stafford. And ironically, it was against the Dolphins, but I watched that show against the Dol- uh, uh, right before the game against the Dolphins. We played Dolphins on Thursday right. night. So I was here really early, and I wanted to see it. And now it was on Matt Stafford. But I watched it, and as I watched it, I realized there were some things that I saw Brock Osweiler do in that game that Peyton had broken down on that detail show. Wow. And I, was, I, just, I knew it was happening. There were a couple times, like one time Brock put his hand up and started waving, kind of, kind of you know, when you kind of like, oh, get off me, like a gnat or a fly. Yeah, like, yeah. Get off. Well, he signaled to a receiver out to the right, like, you know, he, kind of that same signal. That's not him trying to deflect criticism? No. And okay. I just said, they're running to the right. I knew they were running to the right at that point. Because that was a signal to his receiver. Oh yeah, go ahead and run and just get get out of dodge. Just go because that guy that, is not going to be in. I need the, that vacated. Yes, that I area. need that area gone so my guys can block and the running back can bounce. And so I knew exactly that the run was going, and that happened twice in that game. And I got that from that details show. So Hoyer got that from the details show, and then he got it from the all or nothing. It was just little bits of pieces of information that he combined with his experience to turn it into a really cool opportunity for the Patriots defense to say, hey, we can take advantage of that. Bill O'Brien is always telling us how coaches and their staff, really because the head coach doesn't have time to do it, they're combing through everything to try to find these angles and edges. Uh, One more quickie for you here. So McVay was a tight ends coach, and he gets lifted to offensive coordinator right from there. No quarterback coach, no wide receiver to quarterback to offensive coordinator. We do that here with Tim Kelly. It's happening more and more. Like tight end is tight end coach is the new pathway to offensive coordinator. It seems. I'm sure it's happened before in NFL history, but it's interesting to me how this occurs. Yeah, I don't know that there's any rhyme or reason to it. I think it's more about the personality uh, of that particular person coaching the tight ends at that yeah. point. You think about both Sean McVay and Tim Kelly, both young, aggressive, smart guys mm-hmm. that recall everything, and I think that's more so anything. That probably precedes anything as opposed to a tight ends coach. But can I give you the Vander theory on this? Go. I don't know if this is accurate or not. But with a tight ends coach, you have to know the offensive well, line do, extremely yeah. well. That's a great and you have to know the receiving game extremely well. So you're in kind of both rooms a yep. lot. And maybe that leads to great knowledge of the offense and new ideas or whatever. Well, same linebackers on defense. There's a lot of times yep. you see former linebackers coaches for that same reason because they got to communicate with the back, they got to know the front, yeah. they got to they got to know it all. So that's why you see a lot of linebackers uh, coaches as defensive coordinators. It's it's not too surprising. I I've, look, I, I we can only hope that Tim Kelly ends up being the next Sean McVay, but I think there are a lot of similarities from that from that standpoint. But it absolutely helps to to be part of the offensive line mix, but then all of a sudden here's the receiving. Ah, there's no question. Him being part of both, I think your theory is, is absolutely dead on. Johnny, thank you. you. Got it, Mark. Thank you. Check out the work of John Harris, of course, on HoustonTexans.com and right here on Texans Radio, five nights a week, 6 o'clock, out of the podcast page, the listen page, as we call it, on HoustonTexans.com. Coming up, D.P. Sidhu, we'll talk about those six Texans that made the PFF 
top 101, top 101 players in the NFL based on last season's performances. Watson is on the list. Where does he rank among the quarterbacks? Let's get into that and other stuff as well. Here on Texans Radio, the show where we never stop talking Texans unless we stop talking Texans. No, we talk Texans virtually all of the time. It's Texans All Access. Mark Vandermeer with you in the Hyundai Texans Radio studio. D.P. Sidhu joins us now. HoustonTexans.com, Texans TV, Texans Radio. How's it going, D.P.? Hey, Mark, I thought you were going to say we never stop talking Texans unless we bring D.P. Sidhu in studio, and now she's here. And, so we're probably going to talk about something completely No, we, we are going to talk Texans. In fact, <laughs> I tease this, that the Texans have something in common with the Grammys and with Saturday Night Live, and that is Texans Buzz, you're a co-host of that show. You're really... You know, you're kind of the host of the show, and it airs during the regular season. Right. Saturday Drew, nights with Drew. Drew is your sidekick in that one. I know we kind of change roles here from time to time. But that show is virtually all social media stuff that we kind of cram into a show. So it's sort of the reverse of, say, Saturday Night Live now, which when I watch it, the scene that I just watched comes out on Twitter like a minute later, and it's funny how TV is operating these days. Yeah, we, a lot of the stuff that we put on Texans Buzz, you may see it throughout the week. Sometimes that stuff gets released after the show, but Kid Reporter, KJAC TV. I mean, KJAC TV comes out Fridays, like in the morning. So if you're not on Instagram, you're not on Twitter, it's a great way to sort of catch up during the week. We do likes and stuff during the week, which mm-hmm. is sort of my recap of everything on social media that the players right. are talking about that's on there. So I, I think it's a nice way to see what the players are doing outside of football when they're off the field. And then Drew does his interviews. He does his get to know and fun stuff like that. If they're out in the community that week. So it's, it's, about the players, but less about football, more about their stories and what they're up to. I love likes and stuff. It's every week you do it, every but week. it happens to be part of buzz on regular season Saturday nights and Texans 360 in the off season. We'll have a quiz on this later. I mean, <laughs> I myself have a difficult time keeping track of all our TV shows, so uh, we're just going to continue to coach you, audience. Now, I want to get to the PFF Top 101. You wrote an article about this in just a few moments here, but you, we mentioned likes and stuff, so let's start there. What's the hot take on social media with the players this week? Because it's kind of quiet. It's the off season. What are they discussing? Well, a lot of them go on trips, but the, this last week it seemed like a lot of players were talking about Netflix, so yeah. everyone's sort of catching up on their Netflix. And they're going back and forth about this? They're, well, they were talking about one documentary in particular, which I just happened to watch, Abducted in Plain Sight, which if you haven't seen it, Mark, this is your homework assignment for the week. To watch this one. You should watch that. You should watch Fire the Fire Festival. I've been told to watch that. That's about the festival that goes wrong in the islands The music festival. Which, I mean, as someone who's a planner, I was watching it. I, I remember when the fire Festival didn't happen or it just went literally just just horribly wrong. I remember on Twitter people sh- showing their videos of what it was. Oh, yeah. When was this, this by was the way? This was last April. Mm-hmm. So it was not that long ago. So, so they made the, a documentary. They made two a documentary. Of them. They made two. They, Hulu made one. Netflix made one. And so I, wa- I watch. I don't have Hulu. I watch the Netflix one. And so as I'm watching it, I, I know what's going to happen in the end, and I'm freaking out for these people. Like, no, you, you guys have to, you have to take this seriously. Like, it's like watching the Titanic, and you're like, you don't hit the iceberg. Sing. Get off the boat. Pay attention. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it was. It's it's great though. You should watch that. You should watch Abducted in Plain, which is also based on a true story about this '70s family in Idaho and their child gets oh, abducted no. twice. Oh and my god! Aliens involved. It's so bizarre. So all the players are talking about this. A few of them. JJ talked about it. I guess he'd seen it. Uh, mm-hmm. Zach Fulton, I believe, talked about it too. And a few of us in the office were talking about it. So I thought, oh well. I, I saw watch Katie this. Nolan from ESPN, formerly of Fox, yes. talking about. 
about this, and she said it was very hard to believe, although it's true. So you do believe it, but you just can't believe it. You One just of those can't believe it. I mean, if, if someone told me this was fiction, I would have been like, no, this would never happen in real life. This is the dumbest thing I've ever watched. It's that unbelievable. So, all right, Truth so is stranger than fiction. It, does Kareem miss doing KJAC TV, by the way? Because I, <laughs> I think he does. You know, on, on Instagram, I think it was in Instagram stories a few weeks ago, he was showing, I, I think it was a bottle of wine, and the wine stopper was a KJAC TV logo made out of, it was it was Wait, glass. he's merchandising? It was a glass wine stopper with his face on it. Wait, it's we're not part of this? Well, I think it's just one of a kind. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if it's going to be available in the Kareem uh, KJAC TV Amazon.com, <laughs> Kareem Jackson TV Wine Stopper. He loves his KJAC TV, so I hope that we can bring it back for another season. I remember him talking about... He's a free agent, so there's that. There is that. I hope he doesn't take the show with him if he leaves. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, so They're going to be asking us whatever TV goes to. Uh, can you give us the elements of the KJAC TV thing? He wants to... <laughs> what is KJAC TV, by the way? They're asking us. Yes. Uh, let's see what happens. I mean, this is a very kind of... It, you're uneasy, in a way, as a Texans fan right now, about those things. Kareem, Tyron Matthew, Jadeveon Clowney, guys who are scheduled to become free agents. Now you can sign them before they hit the market, but you just don't know what's going to happen. So it's a little uneasy. Especially when they're you know pretty veteran players in the locker room. You've got a couple of captains in that mix. And, yeah. you, know, you don't know what's going to happen mm-hmm. with them, but you hope that, that most or all of them, if possible, they can find a way to work it out and sign here. Well, last year we said... <laughs> Was it the first year that we knew who the starting quarterback was going to be on opening day? No, it was Watson was going to be the starting quarterback on opening day, and it was what uh, since Fitzpatrick, five consecutive years of different starting quarter. Actually, six because Shobbs last every, year. Every single year I've been here, it's been a it's different, been a starting, different quarterback starting quarterback, quarterback in week one. So this will be mm-hmm. the first time that it's the same starting quarterback. Yeah, in week consecutive one. years consecutive for the first years. time since twelve and thirteen. That's right. Wow. That's crazy. But it's comforting. It's very comforting to know that number four is sticking around. And he's healthy. And the other comforting thing, I heard J.J. Watt on a podcast, pardon my take, they were talking about his offseason. It's his first completely healthy offseason that he's had in a couple of years where he's not rehabbing from something. I feel like... J.J. said that. J.J., yes. To to go into an offseason healthy, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's unbelievable. I feel like the last two years we've talked about, oh, now he's on a treadmill and now it's anti-gravity and now he's walking a little bit. Yeah. But... You know, he's just J.J. right now. It was around this time last year where we saw that video of Watson in the weight room throwing a football to somebody. And it was just a quick social media snap that he took. But we put it out there in the main account, and it was just so encouraging. Oh, he's throwing a ball. You know, now it's like, okay, yeah, you know Watson can throw a football. He did in the Pro Bowl a couple of weeks ago. So very cool that uh, he'll be around. He'll be healthy. Now, the PFF Top 101 this is a list they put out, and they go to 101, not 100. They go to 101. It's their top 101 players of 2018. It's in a vacuum. They don't look at what the players done before 2018, any years prior to that, and they grade all Ooh. positions equally. Mm-hmm. So you, it's not going to be just a quarterback at number one. You know, They're grading everybody at their position. And Whatever every grade you got. Equal. Right. And so the Texans had six players make the list. That's not bad. When you're evaluating like that, no matter what you think of the pro football focus evaluations, and I know there are mixed reviews on some of this stuff, it's kind of like it's, it's like a lot mixed, of things. It's only mixed if you disagree. If you agree yeah. with it, then it's like, oh, this I mean, is when fantastic. they say DeAndre Hopkins is the top receiver in the NFL, I'm like, yes, they, yes, he is. I agree <laughs> with you. It's almost like lawyers. Like, you keep searching for a new one until you find one who agrees with you, and then you go with that guy. Well, they also named him their top 
offensive player of the year, and that's against all other quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and then obviously top wide receiver as well. But he topped off their list. He was number two. Mm-hmm. So they, they he's holding a trophy. I, I think I put but this in my story. That's for the top wide receiver. That's for the top wide receiver. But they, they listed him at number two. Um, so they send the trophy. There's no PFF awards you know, that's that's a show idea for somebody. Because it's they're so there. different from all the other award shows where you just expect a quarterback to take the top prize. Yes. I used to make fun of them. They're British guys with bad teeth evaluating American football, but they've evolved into much more than that. Yeah, and I think Aaron Donald was number one on the list, just in case you're curious. So it, was, it wasn't a quarterback number Well, Watt one. says good things about Donald, and rightfully so. I mean, Donald's amazing, you know, but so is Watt. They're, all, they're both amazing. But Donald wrecks things from the inside and at such a regular uh, – on such a regular basis. Fun I feel like Watt watch. could be there too because, I mean, he he's now one year – more than one year removed from his surgery. So, yeah. You know, when he 16 comes back, sacks. Here we go. You yeah. know, J.J.'s not close to being done yet, so this is good. I mean, this time last year, like you said, it was ramping up to get healthy again, and everyone would ask, well, is Watt going to be ready? Is Watt going to be ready? I thought, well, yeah, he'll be ready. The question's going to be, can he stay on the field on a regular basis right. and do the job? And the answer is a resounding yes. And how much is how how much like himself is he going to look when he is back on the field? Is he going to be 75%? Is he going to be 100%? We just didn't know. I think, you know, he so looked like himself. I keep waiting for him to get the pick six again, to get mm-hmm. one of those. De- you know, O'Brien's probably not putting him in on offense anytime soon, but a defensive score, you know, or two. You could, because this, t- this year, this past year, there were times where he put his hands up. and He was close. Yeah, he, was cl- he had a knockdown. Was it against the Colts in the playoff game? There was a knockdown late in the season where it would have been the same end zone. The ball went flying in the air. Obviously, it didn't end up in his hands, but and he couldn't make a clowny-type adjustment on the ball and make the catch. But it, it'll happen at some point again. He, they were joking with him about his how he's really let his the offensive side. just He's really been a slacker right. at tight end. So he said, oh, yeah, I, I was so concerned with getting back on the field as a – as a defensive lineman, I forgot that I was also a tight end. So they they were lobbying for him to catch some mm-hmm. touchdown passes again. Interesting. You never know that. Yet. Wait, who are some of the other guys in the PFF Top 101? Uh, JJ actually came in at number 19. And mm-hmm. then Clowney at 46. Good for Clowney. Deshaun at number 77. That's obviously his first time on the list. Kareem Jackson at number 85. Oh, and Kareem, you know, not getting named to the Pro Bowl. Uh, which, but being on this, but being list. on this, I mean, I think that legitimizes it a little bit more because I feel like they are looking, you know. At this is where I agree with them. This is where I'm all about pro football <laughs> right, focus. Totally okay. Ninety four, Bernardrick McKinney. Yeah, um, he got a lot of love. Pro Bowl, this. Yeah, McKinney's getting a lot of notoriety out there. This is good stuff. Yeah, and the fact that he's out there and available and healthy for all sixteen games. That linebacker group, you know, they they have went through some injuries last mm-hmm. year. It's going to be interesting. Hey. uh were guys tweeting about the Grammys last night at all? Or are the no. Grammys just like, really? It's just me and you watching them. They don't care. Is it for, like, I'm not going to say you're older, but older people, like, out of their demographic, maybe, they're in their but 20s. May, maybe. I, I mean, award shows, they, they take a long time to get through. It's, you know, I, I think this younger generation, they just want to catch the highlights. Maybe but my point, early, what I said earlier about the way TV people. is watched now, I mean, the Grammys were just out on Twitter automatically. Like, you know, somebody was asking me about a Post Malone thing, and it was, uh, I just sent it to them later. Well, here you go. Like, you can watch it right now. You can watch it right now. Which, I don't know why I sit and watch the whole thing. I mean, I just usually have it on while I'm cleaning up mm-hmm. or doing the dishes and 
and whatnot. But you really could just get on Twitter afterwards and just see the best performances. You don't have to wait. Exactly. Like, I like to watch the dead people, the in memoriam. That's usually when I turn on the water and really start loading the dishwasher. I don't know what it is. You know what it is? It's honoring those of the past who have contributed to whatever industry, whether it be the Grammys, the Oscars, the ESPYs, too. They do a nice one as well because you have all these people who have passed away, you know, in between award shows, and you want to honor them. Well, I think it's important that people like you watch that because mm-hmm. obviously they do that. I or maybe I'm just I always thought much, who watches this. I'm that, I'm that much closer <laughs> Mark to Vanderbilt death. watches it. Yes. That's what what it is. You're closer to death. You're getting ready so for the combine, huh? Two weeks, we fly away. The combine away. is coming up two weeks. This is this offseason's gone pretty fast, I think, especially with the Pro Bowls. First time we sent guys to this the Pro Bowl in two years. Pretty, oh, because you went to the Pro Bowl. You've already been on a like trip. A You're I've going on another trip. This is actually the short trip this year. The combine's only a few days. The, the Pro Bowl was a, a solid week between yeah. practices and the games and, and covering the players. So. This is like a little bit of a mini trip. Yeah, I don't know. It's funny because we just started these shows last week. Okay, It was a week ago tonight, and it was a day after the Super Bowl. So has it gone by fast? Like has the last week gone by fast for me? Not so much. But it is funny because talking about the Texans every day and you get ready for the next season every day on this particular program, it just gets you fired up. And you don't want to get fired up too early. we got a long ways to go. We do, but we've got these little lily pads, so we've got the mm-hmm. combine, and then right. free agency will be a lot of fun to cover. Mm-hmm. The draft will be fun to cover this year. Combine Better than last be, year. Combine will be good because you have two second-rounders, one first-rounder, exactly. so you have a lot of players to exactly. watch out for. All right, DP, thanks a lot. Thanks, Mark. DP Sidhu, lead writer, HoustonTexans.com. All her stuff is up there. Texans 360, sometimes on Saturday nights of the offseason. Texans buzz every Saturday night during the regular season and all her stuff on social media. Okay, follow her on Twitter at Deep Slant. A couple of quick notes on the way out here. We mentioned that PFF Top 101. The quarterbacks, all right, so Watson's in the Top 101 at 77 overall. As a player, like we mentioned, this is all players. It doesn't go in any particular order here other than the order of your overall grade, according to those PFF guys. But Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league based on the 2018 season performance. Watson is 10th. And in between you have Breeze and Brady and Luck. I'm going in order here. Phillip Rivers, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield, two slots ahead of Watson overall here, and then Deshaun. And I'm wondering if you... Had to draft a quarterback. Hmm, is that even fair? Is that even fair right now with some of these older guys on the list? That little argument. If you had to draft a quarterback among the young guys, the guys who have played, let's see, five years or less, you want Goff in the group for sure. Luck would be out of the group at that stage. So would Rodgers. So would Wilson. Very close, but he would be out. So that makes it very interesting. That's a good topic for another show. Among the young quarterbacks, Mahomes is going to go number one, but maybe Watson goes number two right there. Ahead of Goff? I don't know. Let's debate. I think that's a pretty good talk radio debate. Maybe not for this particular show. Maybe we'll just have to do it another time. Anyway, that's going to do it for tonight. We'll be back tomorrow night. DP's going to host. Johnny and I will be on the show, maybe Drew as well. And we'll get to some other stuff related to getting ready for the draft. The Harris 100 ready to come out pretty soon here in about a week and a half. Johnny's done with it, but we have to make it all pretty for the Internet, like I said earlier in the show. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans.